0: City Church, it's good to see you. Everybody who's watching online, uh, in our overflow or here in our main auditorium, uh, excited that we get to be together. My name is Jason, I'm the pastor here at the church. This is my wife, Andrea. And uh, for the next three weeks, we get the privilege and the opportunity or the honor, I should say, to speak together about relationships. And uh, we're going to be doing that. I'm, I'm actually supposed to be sitting down. This is going to be the hardest part the whole time, <laughs> is me staying seated, but uh. Um, we we want to take the next three weeks to talk about relationships. We're specifically going to be talking about marriage mostly, uh, and we know that by saying that, and when we do that, we know that there are people who say, "Oh, well, I'm not married," or "I'm divorced," or "I don't know if I'll ever get married," or um, you know, different uh, facets of life. Uh, but but we really believe, and we're say, we're not just saying this. Like we really believe that uh, what we're going to be teaching today. Um, And and over the next couple of weeks, this this Christian idea of marriage really affects all the areas of the relationships that we have, specifically the marriage relationship. And so we just wanna encourage you the next three weeks, don't check out if you don't feel like everything that's being said totally relates to where you are. We believe that a lot of it does relates to all of us, but uh, whether you plan on being in a committed relationship or you're in one, or maybe you're coming out of one, you wanna be in another one in the future, we just wanna kind of lean in together and uh, and talk about what God says about relationships. And um, today, we're gonna start by talking about this idea of commitment. I was thinking about it during the opener. The band did such a great job singing the classic love song. And I was thinking about, you know, the, 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 we love songs like that where it just says, you know, I can't help but falling in, in love with you, um, which is just such a better song than I promise to be committed to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that wouldn't be near as good a song as like, I don't feel it for you, but I can't help because I said I would be committed. Like that, <laughs> nobody, that would not be a hit. Um, but commitment is so important commitment is is the cornerstone of the christian idea the christian belief of marriage and it is more and more and more a countercultural idea it's a countercultural idea that you would be committed uh, to someone that you would make a commitment to someone till death do you part who is dumb enough <laughs> to make a commitment like that and and Uh, I read a stat this week that uh, uh, three decades ago, 75% of adults in the United States were married. Now that number is 50%. And so less and less people are getting married and the age of marriage is going up, Uh, the age at which people are getting married, which may not be a terrible thing. Andrew and I got married really young. She had to raise me for a little while. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. So maybe it would have been a little better if I was older. But, um, but the age is going up, and and all the people who are studying this say that th- there there are there are there's one major reason, and that is because there is a lack of trust in marriage, and that lack of trust in marriage comes from a few uh, myths or ideas or narratives about marriage that our culture is. Uh, presenting, And that it gets repeated so often that it is just assumed that it's true. And I want to give those to you before we get into our commitment talk. Here are uh, current, I'm going to call them myths, uh, narratives that maybe you have said, maybe you've repeated, maybe it gets said so often around your work. That it just seems like it's true. And it is so uh, big in our culture that it's causing people to lack trust in marriage. I'm going to give you four of them. Uh, The first one is that married married people are unhappy. Maybe you've heard that. The second one is that most marriages end up divorced anyway. We're going to talk about that one. The third one is that marriage leads to boring sex. And then number four is that marriage is a financial risk that these are not four that I just picked out. These are the four that the people who are studying the statistics of marriage and why there is this lack of trust are saying, these are the four issues, these are the four uh, myths that are out there that are causing people to say, you know what? I don't, I don't really know if I wanna get married. You know, I want love, I want sex, I even would like some commitment, uh, I want some children, but I don't know if I want to, to get married and who would blame that person if you assume that married people are unhappy, marriage is in divorce anyway, marriage makes sex boring and marriage is financial risk. It's no wonder that our society and our culture has created this hybrid that is kind of married. It's like pretty much married. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's commitment, it's shared responsibility. Maybe it's a shared mortgage. Maybe it's shared parenting responsibilities. There's all sorts of sharing, but always an opportunity for an out. Always an opportunity for an out. And, and, and maybe as you're listening to this, you would say, yeah, I can really relate to that. I mean, it's just a piece of paper, you know, like, why do I need a piece of paper? Why do we have to like make it official? Like we love each other and we've got these things, but the, the Christian idea, the Christian belief, the Christian foundation of marriage is that commitment. That piece of paper is important. Those vows that you say, they are important. And so maybe as you are listening to us today, you would keep bouncing back against these four ideas, married people are unhappy, Um, you know, that marriage is in a divorce anyway, that marriage makes sex boring and and that marriage is a financial risk. I want to push back on that a little bit and just ask you and and really kind of talk together about this idea that are these myths true? Are these narratives true? Are these things that keep getting repeated true? Are married people more unhappy? Do most marriages end in divorce? uh is marriage does marriage lead to boring sex is marriage a financial risk are these things true well uh, we just came out of a series called the happiness advantage where we shared a lot of science and stats with you Uh, but i'm gonna give you some more because i love me a good stat Um, according to all 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 caps italicized all major research all four of these narratives that are so huge in our culture are false I'm not even talking about Christian research. I'm talking about research across the board. No major research out there will confirm what your friends or social media or celebrities are saying about about marriage. But they're repeated so much that they seem to be true. But they're statistically wrong. So let me show you what I mean. I want to kind of work through a couple of these. How many times have you heard someone say, don't get married if you want to have fun? If you want freedom? You know, man, don't don't get tied down. Keep your options open, especially if you want to have a life. We hear this so much, we just assume that it must be true. We assume, you know what, because we know some friends, married people really wish they hadn't got married. They are unhappy. But multiple surveys say that 62% of married people say that they are, quote, very happy. And that number hasn't gone down in the last three decades. Now, here's this. Even more surprising, studies show that two-thirds of unhappy marriages will become happy within five years if they stay married instead of get divorced. Just hang on. That's huge. Just hang on, all right? What about the idea that most marriages end in divorce? Is that true? This idea that, you know, well, 50% of marriages end in divorce anyway. Is that true? Well, not not really at all. Here's what the numbers show that. Yes, 45% of marriages end in divorce, but overwhelmingly, the greatest percentage of divorces happen for people who were married before the age of 18, who've dropped out of high school, who've had a baby together before getting married. So research says if you're reasonably well-educated with an income above the poverty level and marry after 25 years old without having a baby first, your chances are of divorce are extremely low. And if you do fall into those categories, the good news is even still, if you have had a child, if you are living below the poverty level, if you did drop out of high school, you still have a greater chance of a marriage not ending in divorce than you do of a marriage ending in divorce. So so that, that one's not true. And so what happens is we take these myths and we say, you know what, let's just live together. Let's just be committed together. Let's just say that we're committed. We don't need all of that. Because it feels like this, the, the, the safe next step, like the, this is the right way to kind of figure out if marriage is right. More than half, uh, couples, half of couples live together before they're married now compared to the 1960s when virtually nobody did. And according to Gallup, a substantial body of evidence indicates that those who live together before marriage are more likely to divorce after marriage. Stats show that trying to test drive marriage before committing to it actually increases your chances of divorce. Now, let me give you one more, and then uh, I'm going to let the, the good preacher and the family talk a little bit. <laughs> but over the last two decades, large amounts of research show that people who are married consistently show much higher degrees of satisfaction with their lives than those who are single, divorced, or living with their partner. And so what we want to do today and for the next three weeks is we want to talk about what's different for the believer. If you're here today and you would say, I'm not, I'm not a Christian, I don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hear us say things that's just good advice and it will help you, I promise. Like you just take some of these relational pieces of advice and you apply them, it's going to make your relationships better. Because while marriage can be complicated and hard, like there are just some relational rules that like if you'll just fight better and be kinder, like it'll get better. But it's so much deeper than that because for those of us who are believers in Jesus, and maybe you're not, maybe you're here and you're not, but if you are, if your faith is in Jesus Christ, if you're following Jesus, then a Christian marriage is different than just a cultural marriage. A Christian marriage is built on things that uh, are not just about love songs and fairy tales and books. It's built on what the Bible Bible tells us, and, uh, and that's what we want to talk about. So Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. This is our verses for the day. These are our verses for the day where the Apostle Paul is talking about marriage, and he's going to say something that Jesus said, and Jesus was saying something that God said. So we have in the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, Gospels and in... Um, and in the, uh, the, the letters from the apostles. Here's what Ephesians 5, 32 says. Paul says, as the scriptures say, <clears throat> excuse me, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. And then the, the, the most helpful statement in the Bible, this is a great mystery. <laughs> this is a great mystery. But, it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Mm-hmm. So Paul tells us what Jesus told us, what God told us, that the, that the purpose of marriage, the idea of a Christian marriage is that two individuals, two individuals, commit to each other, and they become one person. We showed you this illustration before, but we think it's so powerful. We wanted to show you again. This is a, um, this is a pretty much perfectly, almost perfectly braided rope. This is what we want. This is what we want our marriages to look like. This is what God wants our marriages to look like. It's two people coming together as one person, living their life, committed together, working through their issues and becoming uh, one person, two becoming one. God said it, Jesus said it, the apostle Paul said it. But the apostle Paul added something that Jesus didn't say and that God didn't say. The apostle Paul added the idea that this is a mystery. (laughs) This is a mystery. How do two people become one person? How do two people end up with a relationship that looks like this, a marriage that looked like this, a 25 year anniversary that looks like this, a 50 year anniversary that yeah. looks like this? How do we do this? The Bible says this is a great mystery. And here's why. It's such a great mystery because we want our lives to look like this, and we want our marriage to look like this. This is what we're going for. But when we walk to the altar on that day, our <laughs> life doesn't look like this. Our life looks like this. It's a tangled mess. It's a tangled mess. You, you walk to the altar to, to say your I do's, and, 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 and you're, you're hoping that you'll have this. And you're not sure, but you think maybe you could get there by month six? (laughs) Because it's not that hard, right? I can't tell you how many couples we have premarital counseling with. And they're like, no, no, yeah, I understand a lot of people struggle with that. Not us. We don't struggle with that. That's not going to be an issue for us. Like, we don't even fight, really. (laughs) We don't even fight. And, like, we we totally agree on money. And, you know, we both know when we want to have kids. And, uh, you know what, so it's not we're both going to parent the same way. Like, we totally are on the same page. And we're like, okay. (laughs) Great. Yeah, no problem. Uh, But our life looks like this. And God says, I I want your marriage to look like this. And so marriage is the process of getting from this to this. God gives us a spouse to help us untangle our ropes and to get us from, from this to this. So Andrea... This is your chance to rat me out a little yes. bit. Talk about my rope. Talk, yeah. talk about my life. Talk about our life when we, were, when we were deciding to do this thing.
1: So it's super interesting because we, you already mentioned, we got married when we were 20 years old.
0: Engaged when we were 18.
1: We were engaged at yeah. 18. We were, we were babies. And I think for us, at least for me, there was an even greater misconception because I thought I had not even lived enough life yet to have a tangled, knotted mess, um, but what we realized was, even getting married young, my tangled mess of insecurity, my tangled mess of self doubt, or student loans, my tangled mess of um, being selfish. Your tangled mess of being stubborn, y'all. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, God has
0: totally worked all that out for us. though. <laughs>
1: And we know for so many marriages, like this represents abuse in the past. This represents um, abandonment issues. This represents uh, your father leaving and and, and you don't even know if you can trust a man um, in a committed way. Like this is incredibly complicated. It's incredibly complicated. But the idea that you can, first of all, expose this to somebody else, and not pretend like it doesn't even exist, but then to come along and say, you know what, I'm gonna work on this piece right here. Will you help me? Yeah. I, I'm not entirely sure how I'm even gonna get this. Not, and I have, I, like I know there's more, but, but right here, like mm-hmm. this is what we're gonna focus in on, right here. Can you, can you help me out with this? Like, you can't even begin to put the braid together and try to weave your lives into this beautiful masterpiece that we know is a mystery until you start to look at those hard places, those complicated places, those knotted, tangled mess. Yeah. Of places in our lives,
0: you were really kind, you, you, know, you only listed me being stubborn, um, <laughs> but like this is like you know like you know your rope, like this is porn addiction, this yeah. is being a mama 's boy and like wondering why you get married, and like everything 's not done for you um, you know this this is uh, not really having a prayer life, not really knowing jesus this is not this is never having balanced a checkbook, this is having a credit card to get a free t shirt at eighteen this is this is like laziness. This is, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not just one or two things. It's a hundred things. And then it's a hundred more things you don't even know you have that are issues for you. And you don't pull your rope out on date one. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, hey, it's so great. Nice to meet you. And, you know, I hope you like the restaurant. By the way, you know, I have a porn addiction and, um, I've never lived on a budget and, my mom wants to talk to you before date two. <laughs> like they, you don't you don't pull that out, right? You just tuck it away, you know, just tuck it away. Like I, you know, I yes, I'm 37, twice divorced, but I really don't have that many issues. Because, you know, it's just it was it was always them. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, you know, I'm 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 on my you know, 18th job, but it was always my boss. I don't have any issues. And then you fall in love with the person that you think they are. You decide to get married. And then two months, two weeks, two years. It's not two years. It's before that. You realize like there was a little bit of false advertising. A little bit. It's a little bit of false advertising. They were coming
1: to the date with like this showing right here. Yeah. They're like, I got it together. Yeah. Look how flashy my outfit is. Right. It's like a I'm, prof- a take, I'm gonna take you to Ruth's Chris. It's you like a
0: this. it's like a profile pic. Like from a distance, it looks really clean and good. And it's you know? got a
1: filter on it.
0: Right. And so and so this is the challenge. Whether you've been married forty years or four months or you're engaged or you're planning on being married, you know what we're saying is true: is that you are a mess. And
1: the beauty of it is that as life does present itself. Sometimes you do get a little bit more tangled on the way when you find out that you can't have babies and you don't know if it's the other person or if it's you. Mm. And now there's massive insecurity. And now even coming together as a couple now has major complications. Mm. I don't even know how to be intimate with you because there's so much pressure and emotions tied to what all of this means for our future. Mm. That's complicated, right? Or somebody gets, a. I know some of your stories, you get a diagnosis of breast cancer and things get complicated. And it's not just that you want to be there to support each other, to be healthy, but there's medical bills and there's somebody who's missing work. And there's somebody who is struggling with losing their hair or, you know, like, like it's complicated. Mm. And so how do we take our own mess and our own baggage that we bring but then also as life unfolds sometimes it we it's we we, we made a little bit of progress but then we it got tangled up again mm. it got it got it, it, and then and then somebody pulled on it then, then somebody then tension happened and we were wrestling and fighting and and instead of working on it together we're tightening the problems we're making it, our, the, the 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 bank account is tighter the, the tension at, at, in the kitchen and, and trying to do the dishes, you're you're not speaking because you're 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 frustrated mm. and you're you're arguing about who who gets to work on their junk right now. Mm. And instead of helping each other, you have tightened yeah. and complicated it
0: even more. Yeah. So what does culture say? Culture says, hey give it a try. Give it a try. Yeah, you may luck up, maybe their rope's not that bad. But, you know, if it gets too bad, you can always bail. That's what culture says. But the Bible says that our example is Jesus Christ. Paul says that marriage is the example. It is the illustration of Jesus and the church. That G- We are the church, Jesus and you. This is what we are describing, the gospel message. Amen. That Jesus says, I know your life doesn't look like this, but I am so committed to you. Wow. I know that you don't have it all together, but I am so committed to you. So I know what I'm getting into. And I know when I went to the cross, I knew what I was getting into. The Bible says while we were still yet sinners, Christ died. And so Paul says the relationship that you commit to with the person that you are marrying is the example. It is the illustration of the gospel message that says, I don't know exactly what I'm getting into, but I do know that I am committing to a person that will not be everything that I expect them to be or that they say they will be. They won't be flawless, they won't be perfect. But like Jesus has made a commitment to me, I'm making a commitment to them. This is the Christian view of marriage. My responsibility is to to be or attempt to be as committed as Jesus. And so that's why, by the way, you get married traditionally at a church with a pastor, with a preacher, and you don't necessarily write your own vows, which is fine if you want to do that. And when you write your own vows, you usually talk about how I saw the look in your eyes and it melted my heart. And, then, and it's all about feeling, which is we love some feelings. Great. Feeling's great. But the traditional commitment, biblical commitment, says for richer, which would be great, but probably for poorer. <laughs> In sickness, which would be awesome, or in in health, excuse me, (laughs) but probably in sickness. Yeah, That's physical sickness, emotional sickness, spiritual sickness. Yes, it's good. Till death. death. Wow. Now here's what's interesting, and don't be discouraged. We're going to get to something helpful in a second. (laughs) Here's what's interesting is that Jesus described what I just said to you. Matthew 19, if you wanna go read it, you can go read more about it. But Jesus is talking to his disciples one day and, and, and the, some religious leaders walk up and they say, hey, Jesus, um, it's cool if we get divorced, right? Because Moses said it was cool. And Jesus says, yeah, that was because Moses was just like really trying to give you an out because your hearts were so hard-hearted, but that's not the way God designed it. God designed it till death do you part. For, for richer, for poorer, and in sickness and in health, God said, yeah, this is, this is how I want you to do it. And when he said that, the, the disciples in Matthew chapter 19, verse 10, I think we have that verse for you. This is what the disciples, after Jesus gets done describing the commitment of marriage, the disciples said to him, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. If that's how committed Jesus expects me to be to my spouse, I don't know if I wanna do that. And Jesus said, That's right. Not everyone can accept this statement, what you just said. What you just said, that it may be better not to marry. Jesus said, Not everyone can accept this statement, only those whom God helps. And then Jesus said, Some are born eunuchs, because as soon as you start talking about the idea of singleness for life, immediately people say, But what about the sex? And Jesus says, some are born eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, which that's not what we would wish on anybody. But he said, and some make the choice not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, let anyone who can accept this, accept this. So, so this is so important because Jesus says, what I just described to you, the idea that you would say, I'm making a commitment to you to the best of my ability, like Jesus has made a commitment to me and to you that you would spend your life trying to untangle ropes together. Jesus said, you may look at that and you may say, I don't know if I want to do that. And Jesus says, you know what? For some people, that's better for some people singleness is better and we're really bad about this in the church because we have this theology of marriage that it's like you're not complete until you're married if you don't get married there's something wrong with you you end up going to like the you know mid 40s single adult ministry of all the weirdos and you don't want to go to that one you know and that was a joke i think that was offensive i didn't mean to be offensive um but like the 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 idea that like is there a place for me in the church if I'm single? Is everybody gonna look at me weird if I'm single? And Jesus showed up and he taught something absolutely revolutionary about sex. Jesus showed up in the middle of the Greco-Roman empire and said, you don't have to have sex. You don't have to have a spouse. And you can make that choice if you want to but you're really gonna need God's help because you're gonna live in a culture and a society that says you have to have a spouse, you have to have sex, you have to have a live in partner, you have to have companionship, you can't be lonely. And Jesus said, not in the kingdom of God. Amen. In the kingdom of God, there are two options, a really rewarding and fulfilling marriage relationship that will be the hardest thing you ever commit yourself to in your life. So true or a single relationship that will be the hardest thing you ever commit to in your life. But there's no easy options. Aren't you so glad you came today? (laughs) I'm glad you came. Yes. Because we want, we want to give you some help. We want to give you some help. And Um, We wanna specifically talk about commitment because Andrea and I believe we try to live out ourselves, not perfectly by any means, but we genuinely believe that we can get through anything if we work on everything together. We can get through anything if we work on everything together, but that requires us to make a confession to each other and to ourselves. And this is the confession, and this is the confession that we're asking you to, to be courageous enough to look at and to accept for yourself today. And that is that your marriage is complicated because you're complicated. Your marriage is complicated because you're complicated. And you say, well, yeah, but they're complicated. Well, that, that's probably, that is definitely true. And my mother-in-law's complicated. Yes, that's true. My children are complicated. That's true too but the biggest problem in your marriage is you. Yeah, And your marriage is complicated because you are complicated. And you'll never be able to, for two individuals, will never be able to become one person as long as there is a person in the relationship who believes that the other person is the problem and that the other person has more complications. You have to be courageous enough to to have enough self-awareness and to look at yourself and say, you know what, my marriage will be or my marriage is complicated because I'm complicated. So how do we go from this? How do we go from this to this? How do we take all of our complications and all of our issues and all of our challenges and all of our addictions and all of our insecurities and all of our problems and all of our secrets, how do we take all of those complications? And maybe you would say, you know what? I had great credit when we got married and I brought no debt into the relationship and I came from a two-parent household and I didn't have any addictions. You're probably like the hardest person to be married to, <laughs> quite honestly, because your, your rope is, is tangled in pride.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: And so how do we go from this to this? Well, we, we want to give, give you three ways, three things that it takes. And, and one of the reasons that we wrestle so much with these sermons when we talk about marriage is because we don't want in any way to ever preach something to you that we're not practicing, so easy to do as a preacher to, to give theories. And, again, the, 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 the challenge is that you hear us saying something and think, like, oh, they, it's so much easier for them or what, whatever it is. Listen, I'm complicated. Yes, he is. For real. <laughs> She's complicated. Our marriage is complicated. And so these three things that we want to give you are things that we work on together. 17?
1: Yeah. Years of marriage. June. June I paused there for a
0: second. But yeah, 17 years of marriage. Almost. Um, almost. almost. 16 and change. Almost 17. Um, four kids.
1: Yeah, come on. That's complicated. <laughs> four,
0: four kids and, and um, you know, a lot of struggle and a lot of joy. And so we want to give you three things. How to two become one? How to two become one? I'm going to go ahead and give you all three and then we'll work back through them. It requires honesty it requires humility and it requires honor. Yeah. It requires honesty, it requires humility and it requires honor. And for the time that we have left, we wanna talk about these three characteristics or three commitments that you make to marriage. Number one, if you are going to get your life and your rope and your relationship to look like God wants it to look, then to go from this to this, it's going to require honesty. It's gonna require honesty. You don't have to be the perfect spouse, but you do have to be an honest spouse. You gotta go ahead and get your ropes out on the table. You do not have to be a perfect spouse. But you gotta be an honest spouse. You gotta be willing to talk about what your rope looks like and what you're feeling and what you are are are, are thinking and experiencing. And, you know, this shows up in, in different ways because for Andrea, when we were when we first got married, most of her issues were very obvious publicly. Like it was, it was things she was saying or ways she was reacting or bad habits she brought with her from her home. We all bring bad habits from our house. It just felt normal to us. And so, and so it was very obvious early on where Andrea needed to improve. But all of my tangled rope was mostly internal. I mean, I had bad like habits. I was lazy. I was a mama's boy. I'm not talking, I'm not saying I didn't have any of those, but me being honest, my biggest struggle about, about being honest is how I feel. What I'm thinking, what I'm wrestling with internally, and and 16 years in, we're still trying to help Jason untangle those ropes. <laughs> but my point is that is that both of us are complicated, and it's easy to it's easy to step back and go like, wow, her student loan debt, what a struggle in our marriage. You know when, but she has multiple degrees. I don't have any. So <laughs> like th- this this idea that the moment I said I do now it's our debt. The moment we said I do, now it's my inefficiencies and my inadequacy, fears of inadequacy, they, they belong to her now. And, and so we will never be able to begin to untangle the rope. But when we were saying I do, what I was saying was I am committed to the best of my ability like Jesus Christ is committed to me. I am committing to you and everything that you bring to the table, and you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be honest.
1: And honesty comes in a lot of different ways. Sometimes you've got to come clean about the gambling addiction. You've got to come clean about the twenty five thousand dollars in credit cards that you took out, and the other person never ever had a clue, and you thought it was under control, and you were managing it, and you had a plan that you were going to get it, you know, where it needed to be. But like at some point you, you have to get honest about that. But it's also honesty about the emotional stuff that may or may not even be like a factual thing. Here's what I mean. Hey, I've been rehearsing this narrative in my mind that you're gonna cheat on me and I don't even have any like grounds or founded yeah. you know, reasoning for it, but I'm replaying it over and over and over and over and over in my head. That's a different kind of honesty. That's a different kind of, you know, hey, I need you.
0: I'm scared you're going to leave me. To
1: walk through this with me. Yeah. Um, But it's also honesty with yourself. I'm complicated. I've got some areas I need to work on. I need to, like, if there's a fight, I'm probably a bigger part of the problem than I want to admit. Like, it's honesty in all of these realms. Yeah. It's, listen to me, this one is complicated. It's honesty about your sex life. And intimacy and expectations and all like honesty, just coming clean about all of it and talking through and like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. Vulnerability. None of us do.
0: And I think if you've been married for a long time, you know, uh, longer than us, longer than Andrea and I, it's not that you have gotten, it's not that you've been completely honest. It's just that you have kind of figured out how to ignore the things that you don't want to talk about. And so happily married means, you know, oblivious or we know what's swept under the rug, but we're not gonna talk about it. And it feels risky. And especially if you're engaged or especially if you're in a committed relationship and you're thinking about getting married, you're like, it's going really well. If they see my rope, like if I'm honest about my rope, then I may lose the relationship, but you have a chance right now to see the rope and decide if you do want to commit to it. Because once to- you say, I do, you're in. Yeah.
1: And I also think it's important, especially because we're teeing you up right now. You, can, you get to use me and Jason as your excuse. Hey, um, I want to be honest about something. you know, like they said on Sunday. Yeah. Like you can throw us under the bus. You can use us as your, as your out. But here's what I want to encourage you with. If you're the other person listening to your partner, your spouse, your be honest, you have to be a soft landing for them. Uh. You have to say, okay, that was, that was a lot. I'm so glad you were honest. You know, like yeah. you have to prioritize the honesty. Here, and, and here's how you do that. You have to restrain from being defensive or angry or condemning them or, you know, coming out. Like, I, I think that that's something, and we try to, we're not always great at it, but try to preface it like, "Hey, what I'm getting ready to tell you is a little hard, and I just need you to know, like, I'm I'm choosing honesty yeah. and discomfort over you not being mad at me."
0: Are you about to drop a bomb on me? Yeah, we say <laughs> like, that. We yeah. will say
1: that to each other. Yeah, and um, I I just think that if because we're sending each other messages, if I overreact and you get to be emotional, please don't miss hear me like you get to to process as well but if my first response is anger defensiveness belittling you know then what i'm saying is i actually don't want you to be honest yeah i actually need you to keep that to yourself
0: yeah so i just i
1: want to encourage us with that because we we want to cultivate that not hurtful honesty not critical harsh honesty But transparent honesty with the person that I said, till death do us part. Yeah. That's a big deal.
0: So you're feeling something you haven't told your spouse yet. You're doing something you haven't told your spouse yet. You want something you haven't told your spouse yet. You got to talk about those things. Yes, that's good. You got to talk about those things. Okay. Uh, So that's honesty. Two is humility. You got to have humility. and, And humility is the idea that I'm not better than you. I'm better with you. I'm not better than you. I'm better with you. And... You know, one of the things that we've said—I don't know if we heard this before we got married or what—but it's like, like a slogan for us is that, you know, a good marriage is really when both people feel like they're the lucky one, when they feel like they're getting the better end of the deal. Um, And my, you know, my grandmother before she passed away, Mima, I remember uh, we were hanging out in North Carolina one time, and and she said to Andrea, she's like, "Now, Andrea, how did your parents feel when they found out you were going to marry Jason?" Like, we're were are, were you sure you wanted to do that?
1: That's his grandma. And I was like,
0: "Wow, Mima, thanks so much." I... <laughs>
1: Where are you going with this? But yeah. there
0: was this sense that, like, every person I talked to was like, "Wow, you really need to hurry up and marry her. <laughs> like, don't let that one get away." But I don't think anybody was saying that to Andrea. They're like, "Take your time, really. Just, just don't rush it, you know." Um,
1: I knew what I was. And so,
0: for. I, and and so. What happens is there's always this kind of like offset balance in a relationship, it feels like, where like one person's like, wow, hurry up, you know? And the other person's like, are you sure? And if we're not careful coming into marriage and then in different seasons, based on who's taking on more responsibility or who's making more money or who has more issues or who's confessed more bad stuff, or then we begin to think like, wow, Wow, like if I had known or they're lucky to have me or I'm more committed to them or I'm a better parent than them or our kids are lucky to have me or I manage money better than them. And some of those things are factually true. You have skill sets and, and, and personality, of, of course. But I'm talking about you view it and you go, you know what, I'm better because we are together yeah. than I would be if we weren't together. And That's I'm so not better different. than you. Yeah. My yeah. issues are not... Less damaging than yours. I'm complicated and I'm not better than you and I'm lucky to have you and I'm lucky that you are committed to me because you know me. You know me. All the knives are out on the table. Like you know me. But you're committed to me. That's humility. And
1: humility is the place where it allows you to serve the other person and not be resentful about it. It's the place where you go, this is what my home needs right now or this is what my marriage needs right now. Instead of feeling like, Um, that self-righteous thing that all of us do, right? Like I I am putting forth more effort. I am the one who's making this thing work. I'm the one who, no, humility says, uh, the goal is for me to be like Jesus, who, yeah, by the way, humbled himself enough to die on a cross. Yeah. Okay, that puts it back into perspective for me. All right, Lord, help me to humble myself to a place where I would literally be willing to, to, to die in his place. Then I'm a little less petty about the dishes. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I, but I even think, I mean, I, I even think that when we think about dying for someone, it feels noble, but it's like, I won't go pick up the kids. (laughs) Like I'd die for you, but I'm not cooking dinner. You know, (laughs) it's a, it's like a, it's a multiple times a day decision to, to serve and to be humble not the grandiose stuff, but the like, yeah, I mean, I would give you like my, you know, my liver. I'd I'd give you an organ here, but like, I won't give you time in the evening to talk about your day. Like it's that choice to, to, to serve. And so it's the, it's the acknowledgement that, and and this is so like when we, when, when we talk to couples who are trying to make it, but we're not sure if they're going to make it and they're trying to hold on every single time there is a spouse who feels like, if the other one will get it together, I may give them a shot, but they better not screw it up because they, they're lucky to have me. There, there is this feeling that like one's a bum and one's amazing yeah. and that almost never you can't reconcile that because you have to believe my rope's just as bad as your rope. I'm, I'm just as big of a problem as you are and the way that our marriage will get better is if I get better. If I will get better, our marriage will get, our marriage will get better. So honesty and humility. And we want to talk about one more and then we're going to uh, pray together. But the last one is honor. The last one's honor. And um, honor is just the idea that, that, you know, honor isn't earned, honor is given. Yeah. And, and I want Andrew to talk about this because I think she embodies it about as well as anybody I know, at least in my life. The idea is like, well, if they would, then I would if they would be more romantic, if they would be a better dad or if they would be a better mom or if they would work harder or if they would make more money, if then I would treat them better, I would honor them, but that's not honor. Honor is not earned. Honor is given. It's a choice to honor someone, to view them as valuable. That's all honor is. Honor is viewing someone as valuable. So if... Some celebrity, you know, uh, called you up and said, Hey, I, I want to take you out for dinner. You would be ready early and you would try to look your best and you would be so interested as they were talking at dinner and, and you would want to, could, could you help them in any way? And hey, whatever you think and no problem. And you would treat them as special because you would view them in a certain way that you don't view other. And it's so hard when it's familiar and common. I get that. I, I'm not saying treat them like a celebrity, but I am saying that honor is a choice you make. It's not something that the other person earns from you. And so why don't you share that a little bit? This
1: is definitely one that I feel um, convicted about all of the time because of the familiarity. And, and when you know someone so closely to treat them with a, even a level of a slight amount of reverence, even you talked about, you know. Not because
0: I'm a pastor. You're talking about all marriages. Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: That like it is a special thing. You are a special thing. Um, is really challenging. But honor really only um, comes into play when you feel like you've been slighted or they've made a decision you don't agree with or you feel like they have not put in the same kind of effort or whatever. Honor is I'm not gonna talk bad about you behind your back. Honor is I'm gonna choose to believe the best in you every single time, give you the benefit of the doubt. Honor is when I say I love you, like, uh, that's, that's unconditional. And I think that it's also incredibly hard. We were talking about the, the cultural narratives and myths and these um, ideas that are perpetuated. Honor is not a big thing in American culture right now. In fact, it's actually, I feel like it's more a part of our culture to criticize, to have an opinion, to say what no. we think in an unfiltered way, like that that is almost more valued than to say, no, you hold a place of honor in my life and I wanna treat you that way. Um, Honor is thinking about someone in advance and preparing the way for them. Honor is, you know, I'm gonna choose, um, and I think honor is even more valuable when I know all sides of you not that I just see a two-dimensional version of you, but when I see all of it and I'm like, no, this is, and it's something that God is still majorly dealing with me about. I think um, in a, for a long time, I wanted to be an independent entity in our marriage. And so it almost felt like the right way was to stand on my own two feet, to to voice every opinion, to to charge ahead. Like th- that was strong and empowering, and I feel like it's actually a greater sign of strength, if I'm being honest, um, and, and courage to humble yourself, mm. like we talked about, and to be respectful. Not not that I'm diminishing in a doormat or anything like that. And you you treat me the same way, honoring you know, my opinions or my ideas or Mm. how we want to handle situations. Like it it for sure goes both ways, but I definitely wanted to kind of share that I feel like it's something that God is showing me more and more the longer that we've been married. Like Mm. I was not doing a very good job of it early on.
0: Is your mentality, honestly, like it's an honor to be married to you. Like it's an honor to get to parent these kids with you. It's an honor to come home to you. And even as you say that, you kind of roll your eyes like, oh my gosh, you know. But that it's, a cho- it's a choice that you make to view someone in that way. And if both people are viewing each other in that way, then there's going to be a culture of honor in the house. And so honesty, humility, and honor, this is how you begin to untangle each other's mess, untangle each other's ropes, and two individuals become one, which is only genuinely possible with the help of God and Christ as our example, Christ as our example. And so our challenge for you, we're gonna pray, but our challenge for you this week, a little bit of homework for you, which is guaranteed to start a fight, <laughs> just a heads up, is we want you to talk to your spouse and we or your fiance, and we want you to, to tell them what complications you bring to the relationship, not what they think you bring to the relationship, but you're telling them how you're complicated and how you know that it's hard to be married to you and how you know these are your habits that are, and listen, you will start a fight, but what a good fight to have so that you can finally begin to to be honest with each other and have the self-awareness to say, you know what, I'm the biggest barrier to our marriage going to the next place i 'm complicated that 's why our relationship complicated so this sometime this week, hopefully you make it back you know together next week, uh, but we want you to to just create some space and you explain why you 're complicated and let 's see what god doesn 't begin to do in the relationship let 's pray together God thank you for Jesus thank you that You gave us an example in Jesus Christ of commitment, of love unconditionally. And God will never be able to live up to that standard, but we do have an example that when Jesus saw my sin and my life and my tangled mess of a life, he he died on the cross for me, committed unconditionally to me. And you have given me that as a mandate, as a husband, as a man, as a leader of a home. To be, to be a husband like Jesus would be a husband. To be a dad like Jesus would be a dad. To be committed like Jesus would be committed. <clears throat> so God, I just pray for every person in the room, whether they're in a relationship or they're not. I pray that we would be challenged today to recognize our complications, to recognize our issues, and know that you are committed to us and you love us no matter what that we would take that confidence and that knowledge into the relationships that we are in or the relationships that we are going to be in. Thank you for loving us and being committed to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.